Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. touch our hearts again as we gather around the word of the Lord. It should be the greatest centerpiece in this service today, his word. While we're deeply appreciative of everything that has happened in the course of the day from 10 o'clock, we have prayed for every participant in this service long before church this morning. Amen. But I'm thankful for the word of God because that is preeminent. It's the word that will save us, the word that will change us. The book of 1 Kings 7, 46, the Bible says, In the plain of Jordan, would you say that with me? In the plain of Jordan, in the plain of Jordan. In the plain of Jordan did the king cast them in the clay ground between Succoth and Zarthan. Solomon left all the vessels unweighed because they were exceeding many. Neither has the weight of the brass, neither has, was the weight of the brass found out. Solomon made all the vessels that pertained unto the house of the Lord, the altar of gold and the table of gold, whereupon the showbread was. And the candlesticks of pure gold, five on the right side, five on the left, before the oracle with the flowers and the lamps and the tongs of gold, and the bowls and the snuffers and the basins and the spoons and the censers of pure gold, and the hinges of gold, both for the doors of the inner house and the most holy place, and for the doors of the house to wit the temple. So was ended all the work that the king that King Solomon made for the house of the Lord. And Solomon brought in the things which David his father had dedicated, even the silver and the gold and the vessels did he put among the treasures of the house of the Lord. We've talked about a lot of things in our text here today, a lot of individual items, vessels and instruments dedicated things into the house of the Lord. But I really want to I want to talk about that, but I really want to talk about the genesis of those things. The genesis of those things came in the phrase that we repeated this morning, in the plain of Jordan did the king cast them in the clay ground between Succoth and Zarthan. And I just want to speak to you today from this subject in the plain of Jordan, in the plain of Jordan. I, I hope this will be meaningful before we leave here today. Amen. Lord, I love you and I thank you for the privilege to be in your house. Thank you for the opportunity to one more time preach your word. And I'm asking you today, God, to touch every life that is in this building. May we be transformed by the power of your word. I am but a mere man, a mere mortal today. But God, you can, you can take lips of clay, you can take fragile flesh, God, anointed to speak your divine and holy word, 
and strengthen us together in Jesus' name. Amen. And, and you can be seated. What a privilege it is to be here today, and I'm honored to be able to preach the word of the Lord. We greet all of our guests today, and we thank you for being here. I've always been intrigued by people that can look at what some would refer to as trash and see the treasure. So many things in life are discarded and overlooked because people just didn't have the, the ability to see beyond what it was at the present. There are people and some, I'm sure even in this congregation today that patiently wait for the garage sale signs to be placed out in yards on Friday and Saturday mornings. They fully realize, already know, I'm not sure they'll admit it, but they already know in the back of their mind that most of what's set outside for a quick sale is not going to be worth a lot. But there's always that chance that you're going to find the treasure among the trash. The old saying, one man's trash is another man's treasure. How very, very true. A few years ago, a chair that my my wife, it's a little bit of a long story, I don't want to get into it all, but my wife finally wound up with a chair that originally came from a yard sale for $50. Some months ago, we were going to get that chair recovered, and I was standing at the upholstery shop, and, and um, my wife was not with me, so I felt a lot of liberty to really talk. <laughs> so, you know, typical, probably typical man, I was trying to hint, say, you know, we don't want to spend more than this chair is worth. The lady was filling out the paperwork, and, and she paused. I wouldn't have caught this if it hadn't have gone on, but she, she paused, and she looked up at me, and, and then she just started writing again, and so I didn't think she fully understood what I was talking about, so I'm thinking how to rephrase this without totally sounding like a cheapskate. And I said, ma'am, what I'm trying to tell you is that I don't want to get upside down in this chair. And I'm at your mercy to not let that happen. She stopped writing then and put her pen down. And at that moment, she realized that I didn't realize what we had. And she said, um, do you? Do you, would it be all right with you if I just take some of the fabric off of the underneath of this chair? And she said, I, I, I want to look at something. Well, we're having it recovered, and I felt like that was kind of like the clay in Jeremiah 18. If it did become marred, she could fix it. <laughs> Why not? And she tore off the bottom of that seat, and she said, this is what I thought. And she began to talk about that chair was probably very close to 100 years old. And... Um, so among the trash, there was a treasure. We had that chair for sale in the foyer today. <laughs> Since my wife is once again not with me, and we'll make you a deal of a century. In the early years of Elvis Presley, many people told him, many people told him, you'll never make it in this industry. You need to find something else. But one night he was singing and a man by the name of Colonel Tom Parker 
when he heard him sing, he realized there's something here beyond our wildest imagination. Colonel Tom Parker took a chance. Forgive me. He rolled the dice. I think this is a worthy investment. He was, Elvis Presley became one of many that somehow got overlooked by the movers and the shakers of his day. But it forever changed the life of Elvis Presley and it certainly changed the life of Tom Parker. Norman Vincent Peale was uh, a well-known, successful author of many books. But he has an interesting nugget in history that has intrigued me, and I've shared this story many, many times. But I read the book years ago, and maybe many of you have read it, or at least some of you have read the, one of his books, the most famous book, really, entitled The Power of Positive Thinking. It was published in October of 1952, and it continues to be Peel's most widely read work. It was on the New York Times bestsellers list for 186 weeks. 48 weeks consecutively were spent in the number one nonfiction spot. The book has sold more than 5 million copies, and perhaps beyond that, the most intriguing thing is that two and a half million copies of this book was sold in the first four years alone. It was eventually translated, has been translated into over 40 languages, and it is considered to be an all-time great. However, let's consider the story behind the story. The story behind the story is that while the book, The Power of Positive Thinking, was still in manuscript form, Several publishing companies turned him down. In a moment of absolute depression, and I don't use that word lightly because he was beyond discouraged, in a deep, dark pit of depression, Norman Vincent Peale decided he would throw the manuscript in the trash can in his home, and he did. He was completely defeated and unable to to shake the feeling of the bitter sting of rejection that had come his way from many publishing companies. However, what he didn't know is that when he walked away from that trash can, his wife went to the trash can and retrieved that manuscript. And without his knowledge, she decided that she would take that manuscript to just one more publisher. It was that one more place that decided to publish the book and what a great decision that has been for millions of people. Norman Vincent Peale's wife saw in him an untapped vein of talent. And because of that, she was able to keep pushing that that she believed in. And that is the ability of the artist. That's the ability of most any artisan, really, is that, is that looking at something unfinished and, and being able to see it finished. I just admire people that have... That eye, that person that can step into a blank field and in their mind they can see the foundation and the footer and the walls and the roof and, and they can see a yard fully landscaped. I admire people that have that penchant, that strength. And I, admire, I admire those that can step into nothing and envision something. Amen. That was the ability of the artist. And so to think about our text today and to think about that that from something as base as clay, that God would give the, the, the God would give man the ability to see beyond the thing that maybe most of us would just call mud. 
we would try our best to wipe it off the bottom of our shoes. We would try to clean it from our garment, wash it from our hands. But someone realized there's something more here. There's something more. God has given insight and the ability to see hidden things, treasures that perhaps we would otherwise overlook. The ability for a literal artist to step to a blank canvas and from that canvas be able to envision the, the finished product, what a true gift it is. I don't think I'm alone when I say that many times in malls and different places that we have been, when you see an artist that's standing in a public place and you watch them bring trees to life, has anybody besides me thought, I could do that? I didn't realize you could make a tree trunk that easy. I didn't realize that that just leaves and limbs and birds were just as simple as splotting it all on there. I'm thinking beside my chair for sale are going to be some paint kits. Is what I'm really thinking in my mind today. But that artist that could picture the flowing river and it was yet a blank canvas and we just watched it and it just comes to life and it is amazing, mesmerizing, at least, at least to me it is. It, it's, it's hard not to stop and give audience to something like that as you watch something from nothing come to life. The ability to, to look at a piece of granite and see an image or the form of a man. Years ago, I remember reading about one such artisan whose talent was carving from stone the images, the natural and, and, and literal detailed images of people or animals. And, and he was quoted as saying about one particular statue in particular of a man, he said, that man, that man was in that rock all the time. He just needed me to let him out. The true spoke like a true visionary. It was there all the while. He just needed me to let it out, the ability of the artist. One national treasure that bears mention in, uh, of many that bears mention in, in the United States of, of America is found in Keystone, South Dakota. It's known around the world as Mount Rushmore. Just a couple of years ago, my wife and I had the privilege of visiting that for the very first time. And I will never forget, as we were making our way up that mountain to that national park, how we got the very first glimpse of Mount Rushmore. And I remember I felt like a child. I looked at my wife and I said, it's real. In truth, it's real. It was so majestic. Uh, Brother Bobby Gibson, his family and his mother just were there a few days ago and it is stunning. It's breathtaking. Between 1927 and 1941, a man by the name of, of, of Goodson Borglum and 400 workers sculpted these 60-foot massive busts of presidents George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Theodore uh, Roosevelt, and Abraham Lincoln. And what it was was a snapshot. It was, what a snapshot, but it was a snapshot of the first 150 years of American history. We're going to put it there, and when you see how it was designed, and when you understand the method behind the madness of all that went into that, it was, and it still is, breathtaking to see the result of that kind of unmatched human talent. It's something that you just want to sit and stare. Impressive, to say the least, that someone could look at the side of a granite mountain and see those presidents. 
In addition to that, he was also the artist behind the Confederate depiction on the side of the huge granite rock in, in Stone Mountain, Georgia, and I'm sure many of you have visited there. Men and women like this have helped us to shape pieces of history in our nation and in our world. They mean something. They are significant. However, these men and women certainly not the, are the only ones that have proven to be people of tremendous insight. In our passage of Scripture in in 1 Kings chapter 7, Solomon reflects on the building of his house. And from verses 13 to about verses 45, we have several exhaustive lists of things that were made under the oversight of a man by the name of Hiram. If you've read much in the Old Testament and much about Solomon's temple and, and the house of the Lord, you, you will recognize the name Hiram. And then in verse 46, and that's where we picked up reading today, the Bible just says this, In the plain of Jordan, the king casts them. In the clay ground between Succoth and Zarethan. All of these treasures that ultimately wound up in the house of God, not only just for display, but they were utilitarian in nature, they would be used in the service of the house of God. They were meaningful tools. They weren't just trinkets and trophies, but they were, many of them, meaningful tools. They would be used for, for years to come, vessels that would serve and, and no doubt vessels that would impress those that saw them and those that held them. It's one thing to see something after the fact. But it's, it's, it's another thing altogether to be able to realize where something or someone had their beginning. We often view people in their glory and, and, and often we may do this without stopping to think or even ask ourselves what they had to walk through to get where they are. If you were at camp meeting this week, I believe it was on Thursday night, Brother, Brother Emery so aptly talked about the anointing of God that is placed upon people's lives and how <clears throat> that we should just pray for God to help us with the anointing that's on our life. Because he said, before you start praying for somebody else's anointing on your life, you need to be careful because you don't have any idea what they may have walked through. In order to be where they are today, we're, we're just viewing the end product. We're seeing the end result of something. And, and uh, I, had the privilege, I had the privilege after service to speak with Brother Emery a little bit more about that. And he shared with me some deep, dark heartaches that he and his wife have encountered in their lives. Things that I had never heard before and had no way of knowing. And so before you long for the light and before you long for the glory and before you long... Sometimes even for the microphone, you might need to understand that you don't know where that was cast. You don't know where that was shaped. You have no idea where that, come, where that comes from. Amen. There's something about that clay pit that, that caused Solomon to desire to purchase it. He said there's something about it. To some, it was just mud. To some, it was just something to be wiped off your shoes or your clothes or washed off your hands. But Solomon was able to discern that there is something here perhaps that no one else can see. Here in this obvious valley was a clay pit and it would be from this clay pit if I could use the word today to maybe more modernize this for our own minds. It was in this clay pit 
that molds would be formed from this clay. And these molds were going to be formed in order to shape the vessels for the house of God. Amen. It all happened in the plain of Jordan. Amen. This may well be the last place in the world that many people would consider anything of value could ever come from here. Amen. What good thing, someone asked, could ever come from Nazareth? What good thing could ever, what good thing is ever going to come from the son of a carpenter? What good thing is ever going to come out of this clay pit? Amen. Some said there's no way from this mire, no way from this mud that anything could ever be used or if anything of value come. But if you could just, if I could just draw a word picture in your mind today and tell you that Solomon realized we can take this clay and from this clay we can form a mold and from this mold we can pour in, amen, the gold and the silver and we can divine we can with the help of a divine hand we can form the vessels that are going to be used in the house of the Lord so can I tell you today that before you curse the clay amen before you curse the clay in the plain of Jordan and before you curse the day amen that you're standing in right now can I tell you that it may be the mire that you're in right now that God is using to serve as a mold to form something in you amen to put something in our heart to temper us. Amen. It may be exactly what we're going through now that makes us the man or the woman that God desires for us to be tomorrow. Amen. It was there in that plain that pots and shovels and basins and all the vessels which Hiram made to King Solomon for the house of the Lord. They were with bright brass, the scripture says. In the plain of Jordan did the, did the king cast them. Where did all this wonder come from? Where did all this beauty come from? Oh my, oh my, as people watch the vessels in use, as people watch them, amen, on display, very few perhaps ever th thought to stop and ask where was this formed? Where was this molded? What was used to make this? And can I tell you today as we look around us and I'm thankful today humbled is the real word. Amen. I am humbled today for the talent that God has blessed our church with. But can I tell you amen you're just seeing the finished product this morning. Amen. This morning in Sunday school rooms there were, there were teachers that were teaching students, amen, they were doing a marvelous job of breaking the word of God, amen, down into syllables that the children could understand, the word of truth hiding it in their heart, where did they get such raw talent, amen I'm going to tell you, they could probably take you behind by the hand, and they could walk you down in a plane of their own their own plane of Jordan, and say here is where it was forged, here is where it was forged, amen today you see someone on display and you may not be aware of the fact that long before the sun rose this morning they were laying on their face before God praying for the anointing of the Holy Ghost to be with them and on them hallelujah where did that anointing come from I'm going to tell you it wasn't a silver spoon in someone's mouth it wasn't just somebody's ability to be a speaker or an orator it wasn't just someone's ability to be an administrator but it was in the plain of Jordan in the mud and the mire that God shapes us and he molds us and he teaches us some things. You see, we're all one out of the valley. Yes, we do. We all one out of the valley because we would much rather be on the mountaintop. Because the valley, 
The mountaintop represents victory and success and wonderful things, and the valley represents sorrow and heartache often. But it was in the valley that the clay was dampened and beaten out and molds were made and and, and it was being prepared in the valley for, for precious metal to be molten and poured in and to be shaped. You're going to be something of value. All the gold and all the silver that was that was that was used to make these wonderful vessels that would be admired for decades to come was taken right out of the most unlikely place. The valley. We refer to that in our life on the mountain, down in the valley. Yet it's the valley, if we were really truthful, it's the valley experiences of our life that are burned into our mind way more than the mountaintop experiences. I'm not taken away from the mountaintop experiences, but... But I'm going to tell you that in the valley, one songwriter said, He restoreth my soul. In the valley, in the valley, God proves Himself. In the valley, when I am down to nothing, God shows me He is my everything. He is my all. I, I am, am amazed at times when I, you find out really sort of the beginning of where a song often was born. Or maybe uh, you may be surprised sometimes to wonder where a sermon was born. It, it may not have been in that high time. Some, a lot of them are born there, but not all of them. Some of them are born in the plain of Jordan. Amen. In the mire and the mud and the muck. You live through those things and it becomes a real life experience. And we may wonder sometimes when we look around and we wonder perhaps how how anything good could come of this situation or anything good could come of that situation. We see the lives of men and women that often are just, are just fraught with failure and fraught with mistakes and yet God looks beyond those fractures and, and he sees true ability. God sees those untouched veins of opportunity. And we need to pray for the Lord to touch our eyes that we would no longer just see people in the mud and see people in the mire and see people in their faults and in their failures, but rather we need to really be able to see beyond that and see what perhaps potential lies in the clay. Maybe they are in something that shaped them and formed them and molded them. I believe right now there are men and women in this house that are, are, are pondering and thinking about your own personal plane of Jordan it was there in that most unlikely place that God forged out something in your life. A mold <laughs> that would serve as the cast to pour something brilliant and bright and something that was going to be useful for time to come. And if you had somehow been able to have avoided all of those potholes in life, and if we were somehow able to avoid all of those disappointing seasons, we may not have in us what we really need to have in us. Brother J.H. Osborne, many of you know him and, and many of our men certainly has preached a lot of men's conferences and perhaps that's where we know his ministry best. But, but Brother Osborne has a, a saying and, and I don't want you to be disenchanted by this but, 
Brother Osborne has a saying, and I think many people can relate to it. And he said, before God ever uses you greatly, he will wound you deeply. Not, not flexing his muscles and trying to crush, but I heard him say something similar. He has a, he's, he's a very witty. <clears throat> but he said, before God ever uses you greatly, he'll take you to the kitchen of sorrow and make you lick every pot. I think some have been to the kitchen of sorrow. And God gives birth to something. Amen. God gives birth to something. Sometimes we see brokenness and confusion and we're not really sure how to put a handle on that. And, 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 and sometimes we do everything within our power to stop the pain. And if I could speak with great deference to anybody here that may be suffering from this. We want to alleviate all the pain in life. But I have some dear friends who have suffered for many years with neuropathy, the inability to feel pain in their hands and in their feet. The inability to feel pain is much more critical than the ability to feel pain. Because you don't know when you're in trouble. And so sometimes the thing we're trying to push out of our life is the thing God is trying to keep there because he said, you're going to need this. You're going to need this. Amen. God, help us today to have the eyes of Solomon to be able to see that raw potential in someone's life. Amen. To give, to give birth, to help give birth to the things that God is wanting to give birth to. I, I don't know who may, maybe the Lord is speaking to here today. But don't curse your valley. Don't shake your fist in the heavens and curse where you're standing. God may be hollowing out a place in the mud. And he said, I'm going to hammer something out here. When I get it just right, I'm going to pour something precious into it. And when it's all said and done, I'm going to show you something that will blow your mind. Amen. What a God we serve. What a God we serve. Would you stand? I feel the Spirit of the Lord just kind of settling in on this house today. Amen. Would you make an altar right there where you stand? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Please don't pre-dismiss yourself from this service and from what the Spirit of the Lord would do right here. Don't curse where you stand today. Don't, don't curse where you stand today. You, you may be holding to a treasure. You may be staring at something that has value that you cannot even imagine. Where you stand today may be the very place that God has ordered our steps to go. Not because he's trying to crush us. God is not in the, not in the business of crushing people. He's not in the business of, of, of breaking people. He's in the business of building people. And so I pray today that the Lord would help us to understand the power and the ability of his hand to take that, which seems as though it's nothing, and that God can take that. Would you just let your voice be heard today? I feel the Spirit of God is ministering to someone 
Amen. This may not be the ending that you are expecting and this may not be the closing or the, the conclusion that you had anticipated, but can I tell you that God is wanting to speak to your heart right in the pew, right where you're standing, right where you are. Before you say, Lord, get me out of this valley and take me away from the pain and the peril, we might want to consider the fact that God knows exactly where we are and He has us right in the hollow of His hand and God is doing something in our life that only He will reveal in time. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.